Esteemed Champagne House Veuve Clicquot, known for celebrating boldness, creativity, and entrepreneurial spirit, turns the spotlight on female business leaders with the Veuve Clicquot Bold Woman Award, an international program dedicated to supporting female entrepreneurship and identifying future role models who embody the brand's founder, Madame Clicquot's courage and business savoir-faire. In 1805, Madame Clicquot demonstrated great courage and tenacity when she took the reins of Maison Veuve Clicquot after the death of her husband at a time when women could neither work nor hold a bank account. The winners will travel to Reims, France for a three-day immersion. Registration for the ninth edition of the Veuve Clicquot Bold Awards in Canada will open on September 2022. All content is not good content. More content is not better. We're not gonna allow people to put a bunch of stuff on there that maybe increases daily engagement on the platform, but is fundamentally bad for people. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? It's a big responsibility when you're given the keys to an international community platform with an audience in the millions. So what do you do with that kind of power? That ability to influence both micro and macro community and industry change. Certainly, there are individuals out there that would take the opportunity to amass further growth by any means necessary and with reckless abandon. And then there are leaders like Erin Ellison. In her role as Pinterest Head of Canada and APAC Region, which includes Australia and Japan, Erin's philosophy around leadership means cultivating a platform through the power of positivity. But what exactly does that mean? Unlike other platforms that have been slow to enforce change in policy, Pinterest took a stance against misinformation and problematic content before anyone asked them to do so. And they did that through policy in an effort to create a safe and progressive space for its users. Today, what that means is a concise and intentional effort to build positivity into its platform by banning things like weight loss ads, political campaigns, and COVID misinformation so that users can feel safe. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Aaron about what it means to be proactive about building beneficial change, how to build a responsible community platform, and why Pinterest might just be the most positive corner of the internet. Hi, Aaron. How are you? Where are you chatting from today? I am chatting here from the mountains in Germany. I'm actually sitting, I'm very fortunate to be sitting among a mountain landscape. It's warmer here than it is oh in Canada goodness. right now. So just nice enough to walk around uh, and enjoy the early spring weather. That sounds amazing. It's um, a beautifully foggy and uh, gray day in Toronto, which is, I guess, the norm, you know? Pretty regular, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we are here today to talk about Pinterest, obviously. Um, I'm curious, if we looked at your Pinterest boards, what would they be of? What have you been obsessing over lately? Well, I have been, I don't know, obsessing, but feeling insecure about my first in-person meetings 
and trying to figure out uh, what I'm supposed to wear. You know, I'm at this funny life stage. I'm getting older, but I still think I'm kind of cool. And I'm trying to find the balance of a what to wear, what's appropriate and, you know, what still exists in my closet that that makes sense circa like 2019, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Well, I think you're super cool. Um, at the <laughs> beginning of the pandemic, I actually got into this mindset, I think with along with a lot of other people trying to learn new hobbies and crafts. And Pinterest is really where I went to for inspiration. And I went down this rabbit hole that started off with uh, macrame and now includes like quilting, visible mending and all these other things. And honestly, between that and you know, my home renovation boards, I'm pretty sure that Pinterest thinks that I'm either a real estate agent or like 65 years old or something. It's uh... See, the important <laughs> question, though, is did you develop any new skills? Are you are you an expert at anything now? Um, I think experts a strong word here, but I've developed some very introductory skills. So you know, it's it's my first stepping stone into onto my pathway to becoming an expert. Wonderful. You're on your way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you're currently Pinterest head of Canada and APAC, which is the Asia Pacific region. That sounds like a big job. What does your typical day look like when you're overseeing such a big territory? Well, there are no typical days, uh, for one. (laughs) Uh, What's really, really interesting is uh, the primary markets are Canada, Australia, and Japan. So first of all, vastly different time zones. I can tell you that. Um, uh, my days run into evenings and evenings run into mornings. Uh, but Canada has been uh, a market that we've existed in for a little bit longer since 2018. Australia, we launched a little while after that. And Japan, we're actually preparing uh, to launch in uh, a little bit later this year. And so really all three of these markets are at very different stages, um, very different uh, groups of people, different cultures. uh, And I get the chance to figure out how to ensure that Pinterest feels relevant to businesses and people in each of those places. But predominantly, I work with the leaders in those markets to be helpful where I can. Right. And how does, I mean, because Pinterest has been around for a little while now, how does the Pinterest you know, of today different from the Pinterest of yesterday? Because I know it's obviously great for putting together inspiration boards if you're interested in macrame or real estate um, and many, among many other things, but how is it iterated beyond um, that as a utility? Well, our mission today is to give people the inspiration to live a life that they love. And that really means that uh, when people go on Pinterest, uh, they're looking at the future, uh, not really focusing on the past, uh, and really thinking about how to make their offline life more exciting, better, happier, more peaceful, calmer. And and so what makes Pinterest especially unique uh, right now, but always, and I'll talk, I'll I'll answer the second part of your question in a moment, um, is that people come online to go do things offline not to get just terribly sucked in for hours and hours. It's about actually making your real life better, uh, which is which is really an important part of our mission. This matters more than ever today because um, people are feeling enormously bogged down by the weight of the world. Uh, and so you talked a little bit about your usage of Pinterest during the pandemic. And that may have been, as you described, to either keep yourself busy or to improve the space that you lived in because you couldn't leave your space at all. But people also turned to Pinterest as a safe space where they could be away from 
news, uh, divisive political debate, <laughs> you know, vaccination debates, um, and really just feel at peace and focus on something they could control and do in their own world. And so Pinterest um, became, uh, especially in the past couple of years, a very important place um, on the internet for people to feel safe and positive, and again, focused on their life, not on their life online, uh, which was very, very important. And the ways in which uh, people experience Pinterest are different. Uh, we have way more creator-led content, more and more people who are coming onto Pinterest to actually share their expertise through videos, through something called idea pins, so that people get even better at developing the skills and tools that might be totally new to them. And so Pinterest has become a lot more focused on making that content even more actionable for somebody who wants to make something happen in their life. Right. And so I guess the way that it functions and um, the way people use it is really the defining factor compared to other kind of community platforms, social media platforms, um, and, and, and how people are engaging with each other and engaging with the content on there. Yeah, people come. Uh, it's not social media. So if you think about it, when you go to social platforms, traditional social platforms, you kind of go there aimlessly, in often cases, just to be distracted to scroll. When you go to Pinterest, you go with a very specific intent. Like I'm trying to learn something. I'm trying to do something. That is not necessarily about being social in that moment. It's about content, ideas, and inspiration. So you're right that the reason and people use Pinterest uh, in its very original engineering is completely different. The mindset is completely different. Yeah. And what do you think is the biggest misconception about the platform? You know, do people have a certain idea about the platform that you as an organization, you know, you're trying to break or trying to move past, or it could be the complete opposite case? Well, we're actually seeing more and more um, different kinds of people use Pinterest than maybe people had associated with Pinterest at the past. So a lot of our new users are men, are Gen Z, because the reality is absolutely everybody requires inspiration. It's a fundamental uh, human need. No matter what your life circumstances are, no matter where you live in the world, you need ideas to make you feel inspired about either what you're going to have for dinner in a few hours the dream vacation you're going to take in a few years or the retirement you hope happens sooner than most of us can. It's sort of a, a universal need um, that's universally relevant to people. And I think that's become more and more apparent over time. And so maybe people long ago thought Pinterest was the platform to learn how to knit or just cook or something like that, that really made sense for middle-aged women. <laughs> I think that people's understanding and usage of the platform has widely broadened. And again, because of the, the events of the past few years, more and more people have had to discover that need. Like, where do I go to be inspired in this otherworldly moment that I wasn't anticipating? And so it's just become more relevant, um, especially in the past couple of years. Yeah, and just building on that, like who is the Pinterest user today? And what do you think is unique about the audience compared to other online communities? Well, people of all kinds use Pinterest all over the world, over 400 million people. And they're really very representative, truly, of people in different generations, different genders, different cultural backgrounds. The breadth is similar, I would say, to other platforms, but the mindset is different uh, for two reasons. 
people go to Pinterest to be inspired to do something offline, not to get sucked in online. And they go there to feel better. Because um, Pinterest is inherently focused on the future. And when people are looking ahead, they feel good because ahead is full of possibilities. When you're looking back, you go, oh, why wasn't I invited to that party? Why am I not on a March break vacation? You know, why am I, you know, don't have the body I want or don't have something I want. But when I'm looking into the future, people feel a sense of possibilities. And so the mindset is different also because people go there to feel better. Pinterest is a place where we really stand behind our responsibility to take care of people's well-being. Um, our founder was different than many other founders of that time in that he said, if I'm making a platform that's for hundreds of millions of people, I am responsible for protecting the people who use it. And I am responsible for ensuring that the content on this platform does good and not harm. And so, you know, in 2017, long before there was a pandemic, we said there would be no vaccine misinformation on the platform before this was a thing. So it's kind of incredible right. and introduced many, many policies really, you know, since then we stopped political ads uh, in 2018 uh, before we were even in kind of the conditions of people disagreeing that we're in today. Uh, you know, in 2019, we talked about a focused on compassionate search because people would come to the platform and they would tell us they were stressed out. Like I'm coming because I'm looking for a relaxation technique, um, ways to reduce my anxiety. And therefore we made sure that we provided people with official content um, that was in service of them getting the real tools that they needed. Uh, and something that I'm, I'm probably most passionate about, perhaps as a woman, as a mother, as a mother of three children, is this decision in July of just this past year to ban all weight loss ads. Uh, we were the only major platform uh, that prohibits weight loss ads today um, and made a clear stance that said, there's nothing good for people in this. There's nothing good in talking about body mass index and weight loss pills. Um, and this is not what people need. So we've always been focused on, on how people feel when they use the platform, this was how we were engineered. We built positivity in versus having to, 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 like other platforms, spend years trying to take negativity out. And what's different is how much this actually matters to people today and how much people need it. We're talking about the user experience, but what, how can businesses really harness the power of the platform as well? Well, as we've been talking about here, people go uh, to Pinterest with high intent, but what's important to businesses <laughs> with that high intent is they also go with a very open mind. Uh, and so what that means is we know exactly what pinners want to do, see, try, or buy because they're telling us. They go with intent. <laughs> they don't go just to scroll. But they're saying like, I want a black spring, a shirt that's black that's appropriate for the spring. But they're very open to who might serve them the best piece of content that inspires them they don't necessarily know who they want to buy that black shirt from. They're willing to discover something new. So for brands, and that's a very, of course, a tactical example, but for a brand, if you're a new or disruptive brand or a brand maybe that wants to be understood a little bit differently, this is the perfect moment and perfect intersection of intent and open mind um, to be discovered. And so that is really the value of Pinterest for brands, as well as being discovered in a positive place. 
brands want to be adjacent to positive content, if users are in a positive mindset, um, that's good for how they might think about their brand. And so brands don't have that risk of being adjacent to political content and all sorts of uh, vitriolic content um, that is never really good for them in any circumstance. And so it's really a combination of those things, um, but high intent, open mind and positive mindset. Definitely. Now you've got quite a professional pedigree having worked at some of the biggest companies in the world like Microsoft and Facebook before landing at Pinterest. Based on your experience, what do you think are the hallmarks of an exceptional brand? Like what makes a great brand experience? You mean as an employee or someone who works with a lot of different brands? Someone that has seen and had and has worked, you know, for a lot of today's leading brands and brands that have very passionate, engaged communities. What do you think has been the through line between these different companies that has made them as engaging and and um, you know as powerful as a brand as they are today? Well, many tech platforms are mission driven. And of course, that sounds very obvious, but being mission-driven is how you orient maybe 150,000 people, or in our case, 3,000 people around the same thing, which is generally powerful. But what makes a, a brand, a company really, really great is a mission that considers all the needs of people in that moment in time. Your mission has to evolve. And I think it's incredibly important that tech platforms today take active responsibility for how ubiquitous their technology is, how many people are using it, and the needs and vulnerabilities of their users. So truly great companies today don't just push technology for the sake of it, push community for the sake of it, but think about the further order impacts of what that technology uh, means for people. And you have to evolve. You know, because there's problems we have in the world today and opportunities we have in the world today that are different than five years ago and different than five years before that. So the through line is mission, but what makes a company really great is a mission that truly considers um, the far-reaching consequences of what the company is doing and considers the needs of human beings today. And, you know, we have had the opportunity to live in a world that changed dramatically it still feels like it's changing dramatically with the war right now. And for me, it's just placing such uh, an important emphasis on the responsibility that all companies and brands have um, to think about the well-being of people. You know, it's not just about growth and expansion for the sake of it. For me, part of what makes a really engaging and relevant uh, brand is how it cultivates its community. And part of that is when you have an audience that is in the millions of people, there is a responsibility there because you are influencing and engaging with a lot of people. Um, what do you think the role of uh, a social media platform, or I guess in the case of Pinterest, a community platform should be today and, and what kind of responsibility do these platforms hold compared to say maybe a decade ago? Well, um, if you just let a platform loose and don't consider 
how people use it, how they put content onto it, how it'll make them feel, you run the risk of having a whole bunch of unintended consequences. It's important that platforms today think about what those consequences could be and are proactive in preventing misuse of platform for, for the disservice of people uh, from the very, very beginning. And so for us, uh, as we become more creator focused, one of the things we did in April of last year is launch the creator code, which said, well, we're not just responsible for what we do. We want to be responsible for what you creators do, the people that put content on Pinterest. And so we actually created something called the creator code. And before you put content on Pinterest, you actually have to sign a commitment that adheres to a couple of rules. I commit to ensuring my content is kind. I'm gonna make sure I check my facts. I'm gonna be thoughtful about how my content could trigger people in a negative way. I'm going to be inclusive and I'm gonna actively do no harm with my content. And so for us, the creator code was one step further in saying there's stuff we can do, but we can also hold those who are contributing to this platform to a higher standard. And who knows, maybe one day we'll have a, a brand code, an advertiser code that continues to ensure that everybody is thoughtful about the role that they play. Because it's not just saying, here's the platform, we walk away. There's all these people who contribute to it. Um, so for, for us, it's really about being thoughtful about uh, the entire ecosystem. And again, starting by engineering positivity in versus working hard to take harmful content out of the platform when it's too late. Right, right. And so that's like a code of conduct for your creators. And it's one thing to, you know, establish that code of conduct, which is great. But how do you make sure that that is being followed through on? How do you, as a platform, make sure that there is a certain sense of accountability there? Well, I mean, we are also obviously not just committed to serving inspiring content, but we can also identify and prevent harmful content, including misinformation, hate speech, and others. And so, you know, we have to have the tools and the uh, AI and everything we need to actually ensure that if anything harmful lands on that platform, despite people committing to that code, we get rid of it really, really quickly. But it's also about really being vocal uh, with creators and brands are creators about what people want and need to see on the platform and being very clear about what they don't want to see. So we're quite loud advocates for what it means to produce positive content uh, and actually can give brands some guidance about what that actually means and how to deconstruct that. So we're pretty proactive in, in educating uh, communities and people we work with um, in ensuring that, that they know what this actually means. And if anyone misuses that, um, we have the tools to ensure that that content is removed right away. Right. Is there such a thing as like too much positivity? Maybe it doesn't seem like that today and like these days um, because we need a lot of it. But, you know, there's a lot of also language around like toxic positivity too. So where we aren't acknowledging or we're disregarding the not so positive things that are also very important to, you know, be aware of and, and acknowledge. I don't know if that necessarily applies to this, but do you think that, you know, there is such a thing as that, you know, where we're only focusing on the good, good, good. And it reminds me of like, have you seen that movie um, Inside Out with the, yes. the XR one where they talk about like, you know, the balance of, of things and like, it's important to, you know, obviously be happy, but it's also important to have 
to acknowledge the other things that are going on too. So is that really, is that relevant to what you guys are doing on the platform? Is there such a thing as too much positivity and how do you kind of acknowledge that kind of stuff? Well, there is such thing as too much inauthentic positivity mm. uh, that setting a standard for existing that's not actually helpful. Uh, like uh, somebody, an influencer, <laughs> you know, talking about how they feel really great because, you know, maybe they're consuming vitamins or something like that. That's an inauthentic positivity. It's for capital. Uh, it's not for actually improving necessarily people's lives. And so is there too much authentic positivity and hope in a time like this? No, absolutely mm-hmm. not. I think um, I'm sure you, like me, I feel the weight of what's happening in the world. I, I'm of Ukrainian heritage. I, and I don't think it matters if you're of Ukrainian heritage or not. This is utterly devastating. Uh, I'm sitting here in Europe right now uh, where this war is actually being fought on this piece of land, not here, but uh, in the Ukraine. And I think people feel the weight of the past few years. What they need is um, the ability to find ideas and tools that make them feel more in control of their lives, the things they can control. There's a lot of things we can't control, and we want to feel like we're uh, able to do our part to make um, our environment perhaps a little bit more hopeful. And so when you think about um, Pinterest, for me, uh, I'm no perfectionist. I certainly uh, am not a fashion expert. Uh, I'm not a great cook. And so I don't use Pinterest to strive for positive perfection, but just to feel like, okay, did I do enough for my kids today as a working mom? You know, did I give them maybe this, my, my son, <laughs> there's one thing I know how to make truly. Actually, there's a couple things, but one thing is my son likes these uh, <laughs> Cheerio bars. Okay. The only ingredients you need are Cheerios and honey. This is something we found on Pinterest. There's no perfection. You literally need Cheerios, honey, maybe a little bit of peanut butter. You melt it, you put it in a pan, you put it in the fridge. And it's really actually very tasty in 10 minutes. There's nothing about that being me trying to make some super gourmet cake and pretend that this is a big thing in my life. That's not a moment I'm necessarily sharing broadly, but it was my ability to go to Pinterest and say, what's something that takes five minutes of effort because I'm exhausted, that makes my son feel good. Like I feel like an okay mom today, but is realistic for the amount of time I have for what's in my cupboard, for the level of chaos in my life. That for me is the type of inspiration people need. And that's the kind of positivity people need because that's something I could control is I could make those Cheerio bars no matter uh, (laughs) whether or not the world was falling apart in that moment, that was something I could do. And so I think you have to be very clear. It's a great question you asked, by the way, of like, is there too much? Well, it depends what kind of authenticity we're talking about and for what purpose. Sure, yeah. I was browsing through the site and there was a line that really stuck out to me and it says, quote, you can't have a positive platform without proactive content policies, end quote. I think that there is a really big keyword here and that is policy because much like in other areas of our lives, the biggest way to make an impact isn't necessarily always going to lie with a user or a consumer. It's implementing change into actionable policy whether that's corporate policy or government policy. And a lot of other platforms have been really slow to do so and instead try to let their audiences self-regulate. But that doesn't always work, does it? 
Absolutely not. Uh, you're right. It's about policy and it's in, somewhat connected to what we talked about earlier. It's about seeing ahead, you know, and not waiting, waiting for disasters to happen and waiting for users to have terrible experiences. It's about really saying, how do I engineer this in? And that is about policy. And, and as I said uh, before, and I know you, you have our policy timeline, but being really thoughtful very early about a lot of these topics, like health misinformation, doing that very early uh, in 2017, making a stance and not saying, well, it's just a platform. People can say whatever, free speech. You know, we thought, no, we have a greater responsibility. So we are going to make a policy. And we decided early, we will not have political ads on Pinterest. We don't ever want to incent anyone to use Pinterest for that purpose. That's not its intent. All content is not good content. Mm -hmm. More content is not better. We're not going to allow people to put a bunch of stuff on there that maybe increases daily engagement on the platform, but is fundamentally bad for people. You know, and I talked about in 2019, compassionate search. There are many, many search terms that if you use them, you won't get regular Pinterest content you will get the official tools you need perhaps from CAMH or similar organizations around the world to get you know, help and tools that are well-researched and scientifically backed. 2020, uh, making sure that if you're searching for anything related to the pandemic at all, you only get, again, scientifically verified material. 2021, the creator code. And again, I hope that expands and goes further. Also weight loss ads, which this decision to ban weight loss ads, which wasn't popular among all brands, but very popular to people. Uh, people were so happy to see that was about seeing ahead and going, what's the one thing we can do here? What's our role? Hey, just don't have this content. Because there's no one that can stand by and say, this is good for people and this is good for young, vulnerable people. So you've got to take a stance You've got to be willing to potentially lose some revenue in the mix. You've got to be willing to take a stance, though, that makes you responsible for what happens on the platform. Yeah, I mean, I was looking through the policies that have been enacted. There's, as you mentioned, a lot of these things, political ads, uh, weight loss ads um, being banned, COVID misinformation, cultural appropriation, I thought was interesting, too, around, especially around, I guess, Halloween. Uh, yes. I guess a lot of people are looking for costume ideas and um, can report something that is is appropriating a culture, which I, think, which I think is very thoughtful. That's interesting. And so not only are you as a platform discouraging or straight up banning things that are deemed as negative or toxic, but you're also doing the opposite, encouraging positive behaviors through things that you talk about, like the compassionate search. So, so how does that work exactly? Um, you touched on it, but like, what, what does it mean? And how does that exactly work? So um, people often come to Pinterest because they are looking to feel better. Uh, they want to feel a certain way, or they're looking for tools and information to enact something in their life. And actually, we've learned that historically, a lot of people come to Pinterest looking for inspirational quotes. They're actually the third most popular search term on Pinterest. Because people are looking for ways to feel more inspired, motivated, less alone, less depressed. You know, we learned that uh, in being thoughtful about thinking about the quotes people were searching for, or just saying things like 
work anxiety, <laughs> all sorts of things we feel every Sunday night, all of us. We made sure that through Compassionate Search, um, we gave people immediately a collection of emotional well-being activities that they can do right then and there um, if they're feeling stressed or anxious or sad. And sometimes that, those might be uh, more basic uh, things that people can do, as I said, right there in that moment, uh, to, to breathe differently, to change their mind frame. And sometimes it's more serious um, and they need active help and support. Um, and they might need professional care, in which cases we will also encourage them to go get the help they need. And so that's really what Compassionate Search is about, because people are telling us something without telling us something. Right. And as a platform, you can only think about what that means for advertising, or you can say, well, what is that actually telling us? Not so much about what people commercially need, but what they need um, to get through the day. Um, because again, we knew that they were coming to Pinterest for something. Uh, we know that often people come to Pinterest, for instance, late at night after they've been on other social platforms and they're feeling distressed. It's maybe the last thing they do to kind of just be in this safe personal space. And so we sort of watched all of that and realized we could do even more um, to, to, to give people uh, what they were really looking for in that moment. And so it's something we, we feel we have a lot of responsibility for. And I know beauty is a big category on the platform as well. And there have been some new rollouts there as well regarding hair and skin tone and just being a lot more inclusive there. And I guess just really... What it really comes down to is when a, a company or a platform is so intentional about enacting these policies and enacting, you know, its code of conduct for its users and everything, that in and of itself is a point of view, it's a perspective, and it's outwardly, I immediately know as a user what your values are, and if I align with those values, which I hope most people would in this case. So I think that's that's really great to see, because I don't think... You know, other companies may have these things, you know, integrated, but I don't, it's one thing to have that, but it's also important to talk about these things and make sure that you're being intentional about it and, and being explicit about these things and, and kind of putting your foot down on, on these things that matter, you know? Yeah. And, and if you don't, then very quickly uh, on, on other platforms, if you're looking for something um, or not even looking for something even worse, you'll just get bombarded with the same thing, maybe white skinny women, which is not super representative of the world today. And so I know, I mean, I have daughters uh, and I know that if they're spending time on platforms where this is not intentionally built in, they'll walk out of a, a session feeling so down because they don't see themselves. And these are white girls uh, and they're not seeing themselves represented in the content and they're feeling really bad and really terrible. And so for us, Inclusive beauty was our realization that if somebody came uh, on Pinterest and looked for hair tips uh, or something like that, they should see a representation of all kinds of hair, not just blonde hair. Um, if they were looking for makeup inspiration, as you referenced, uh, they should most certainly see a makeup uh, across many different skin tones in many different ranges. And so when you actually um, do those types of searches, you'll immediately get this opportunity um, to see, uh, choose your shade and really see something that is representative of who you are, uh, no matter who that is, no matter where you come from. And so uh, inclusive beauty allows people to see beauty across a much broader range than it's represented in places where this is not heavily thought through. 
because you just see the same stuff. Yeah, definitely. And when we talk about being a platform for good, that also extends internally towards your team. How do you support and nurture your team from a corporate standpoint? I know recently there was a, a rollout of or an expansion of a parental benefits policy, which I think is incredibly relevant today. I mean, it was incredibly relevant before, but especially now because we have um, people working from home. And then we also have, you know, the burden of, you know, the stress of work. And when it comes to being parents and, and family duties, a lot of that burden ends up falling on women and mothers. So what is a what does a parental benefits policy look like to you as a platform? Well, I, I mean, we recognize that uh, employees need to feel represented in um, the benefits a company provides. And those benefits need to be tied to the most salient issues and opportunities of our time. And so uh, women and, and really all parents shouldn't have to choose between uh, their work and being parents. And it's still too often a thread. I talk to women all the time across the industry, in different industries, lots of young women. And this is still something they're really grappling with. Like, how do I do this? And is it wrong if I kind of want to be more present for my baby for a period of time? And so our policies there were really about supporting parents through uh, their desire to become parents. And then through other policies or not policies, programs we have, we have something called pintentions, which is days we just give people off every year to quiet their mind. The intention of pintentions um, <laughs> is to recognize that it's a noisy world out there. Um, and sometimes people just need space and time to look inward. Like that could mean time with their family, with their friends. Um, but we're really thoughtful about giving people the time and space they need away from work to really thrive. And so uh, by being a company, actually, of only uh, one thing I love about working at Pinterest is it's this very big consumer brand, but actually a very small company. It's 3,000 people. Right. It means that we can be really intentional about hiring uh, a really diverse set of employees who best can serve the needs of a diverse set of users, but we can also hear their feedback. And, and you can build great benefits programs and great tools uh, when you can hear the voices saying, you know, what would really help <laughs> is if I could do this and if I had some extra time here and if you could help me through my infertility struggle. Um, because this is painful and I feel I could do better work and ensuring that the employees that you hire initially are diverse enough in background and perspective that they can speak for what they might need um, versus just catering to the masses. Yeah, absolutely. Listen to your team. Listen, just listen. I think just that's listen. sometimes that's as simple as it is. It's just spend less time projecting and talking and just listen more, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, uh, I think there was this time in Silicon Valley where there was just this, uh, you know, everybody competing on this list of egregious benefits. And it would make me laugh because there was a recent article I read about dry cleaning at one of these companies. And did anyone really ask for dry cleaning? <laughs> Like, I know it was last right. time you ironed a shirt. I mean, that's not what I need as a mother. Yeah. 
as a yeah. parent, that's not what I need. So there was these kind of superfluous perks that A, were egregious and a little bit out of touch with, <laughs> with society, and B, not the things that really got to the heart of the employee experience. And so I think it's really, really important that we're thoughtful about what people really want, what really moves the needle, uh, and, and not be so focused on things that really don't matter at the end of the day. And you got to yeah. listen, to know the difference. Absolutely. Now, just as we kind of wrap up here, we get close to the end, you have you know, an incredible career path. I already touched on it before, you know, in terms of, you know, where you've worked and how you built up your career. What's the best advice you have for others, in particular women who want to pursue the same kind of path or make an impact at an organization and within their communities? Well, um, it's a broad people, question, but yeah, it's okay. it's, <laughs> I think about this stuff a lot. It's the, the greatest joy I get from my job is, is being able to see people develop and grow. Honestly, uh, this is the joy of the work. And, um, one of the things that I think is most important, um, not just for women, but for anybody that wants to have an exciting career is to actually build as much breadth of experience as possible in those initial 10 to 15 years. And don't get focused on upward trajectory. And what I mean by that is the real CEOs of companies generally have a breadth of experience. And so they maybe have some sales experience, some marketing experience, some finance experience. And it's important that you gather as much of that as you can so that when you are leading people and leading organizations, you are truly a multifunctional, well-rounded leader. And what happens to people, uh, I see happen sometimes is they get really impatient. Like I'm 35 and I'm not managing people yet. And I say to them, well, but it looks to me like you've learned these four things very, very well over the course of many, many years. And I can promise you that just another couple of years of patience will mean that when you are finally leading people, um, A, you'll be incredible at it. And B, your trajectory will be pretty quick because the organization will quickly see that you bring a lot of breadth to the role and a lot of well-rounded expertise. So it's important that women choose the right companies that have the right policies and ethos to support women. And for all people, when they get to those great companies, because I'm really a big fan of young people actually going to large, well-known brands, you get this chance to try out and do a lot. The more patient you can be, the greater leader and greater opportunity you'll have in the long term. Absolutely. And you have the empathy, having had kind of a diverse range of experiences to understand, you know, when you are leading a team of people, what they're actually doing and working on. Yeah, what they're you know? doing. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as being a boss that's just like, hey, go do that better. <laughs> the whole role of leadership is actually providing somebody with some nugget of insight. Yeah. that they didn't have before to go make that, that path to getting something done a little bit easier. And you can only provide valuable insight if you've done it yourself. So if you rise too quickly in one discipline, your trove of insights will be shallow uh, pretty quickly. Definitely. Um, last question here. What is your mission and purpose? You touched on it before in terms of a platform, but what is Aaron's mission and what is the, the mission of Pinterest overall? It's a very timely question because I uh, am getting to this place and life stage uh, where I'm thinking about what matters most to me. And I can tell you, I swear 
from the bottom of my heart that right now my personal passion is congruent with the company I work for, which is pretty awesome. That yeah. kind of happened accidentally, to be honest. I mean, I just was sort of lucky to end up here. Um, but one thing I, I'm focused on, A, mental health. I volunteer at CAMH. Pinterest also donates to CAMH. Um, but I am really interested in technology for good. As I have and watch children go through the world in, in, I don't want to be one of these people that's just scared of technology and scared of phones. Of course, that's not how I feel, but I want to make sure that uh, I, I am vocal in ensuring that anyone that's building scalable technology is thoughtful about what it means for people, both good and bad. And I think at Pinterest, of course, as this whole conversation has been about that, engineering good into what you do, not positivity, but real focus on well-being. I think even by working at Pinterest, um, if somebody listens to this podcast uh, who maybe is from a different technology platform and they feel like, hey, we should also be elevating what we're doing, that's good. It's not about being the best in this space. It's really not about that. That's not our passion. It's about um, really raising the bar for everybody um, because this is what the world needs right now. And so I think as my career evolves and my life evolves, this is something I will dive much more deeply into and something I'm very passionate about and lucky that it aligns with what I actually do today. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for all the insight. It's really great to see a platform just, again, being so intentional about policy and about change and being responsible. So Thank you. And um, I appreciate you taking the time all the way from Germany to chat with me today. And it was a wonderful chat. I really enjoyed it. I did too. And I honestly, thanks for giving me the chance to talk about something I care so much about. It's, it makes me really happy um, to be able to chat about it. So thank you. You may know Pinterest as a platform to build mood boards for everything from home renovation projects to travel destinations. But since its founding in 2010, it's grown to be much more than that. And don't get them wrong, manifesting your dreams and inspirations is still very much at the core of what they do. Being able to escape into our own visions of the future is perhaps more important today than ever before. But what I'm talking about is what kind of role they see themselves playing with the influence that they've managed to amass over the years. For Erin and her team, it's a responsibility to, simply put, do the right thing without being asked to, well, do the right thing. It means hard coding policies that ban misinformation into the very DNA of their company in order to create a community that reinforces progress and positivity so that we can all dream freely and safely. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?